The Westminster Confession of Faith was first published in 1646. It was the result of the hard work done by a group of men called the Westminster Divines. Their goal was to outline what they believed the Scriptures principally taught. And it has been said that the Church of Christ cannot be creedless and live. Thankfully, the Westminster Confession of Faith has been the creed of the Reformed Church for almost 400 years. This podcast seeks to point you to Christ, to help you navigate the Westminster Confession of Faith, and to see you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Welcome to This We Confess. Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 25, of the Church, Paragraph 2. The visible Church, which is also Catholic or universal under the Gospel, not confined to one nation as before under the law, consists of all those throughout the world that profess the true religion, and of their children, and is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ the house and the family of God, out of which there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. Welcome everyone to episode 72 of This We Confess. We find our way to chapter 25 of the Westminster Confession, dealing with the Church of Jesus Christ. And last time out as we studied paragraph 1, we realised that the Church was both invisible and Catholic. The church is made up of everyone who has ever been saved, is being saved and will be saved. It is Catholic in the sense that it is universal, it is worldwide and Jesus is the head of the church, not a pope nor a queen, the church belongs to him. But if we have stated that the church is both invisible and Catholic, then paragraph 2 also tells us that the church is both visible and Catholic. If the true church and the nature of its membership is not able to be seen by human eyes, the church of Jesus Christ is also visible in our towns and cities and communities. The Westminster Divines begin paragraph 2 by writing that the visible church, which is also Catholic or universal under the gospel, consists of those throughout the world that profess the true religion. And so straight away we are able to say that the church is both invisible but also visible. Paul was able to write to the church in Corinth saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So there was an actual, tangible, physical, visible church in Corinth. And probably wherever you are listening to this podcast today, there is an actual, physical, tangible church. My own church is called Eden Grove Presbyterian. I could take you today to our physical buildings. They've been there for several hundred years now. Tomorrow morning, by the grace of God, we will meet publicly. We will worship together. You could come and watch what we do and you can see the visible church. You may not be able to say the whole membership of the invisible church, 
but you will be able to come tomorrow and see the church that is visible. The visible church exists. It is a tangible reality in many of our countries and cities and towns and villages. And this visible church is also Catholic or universal under the gospel. Again, the word Catholic does not mean that we are allied to Rome. It does not mean that we look to the Pope who is the head of our church. We do not accept such a thing. When we speak of the church, both invisible and visible being Catholic, we mean that it is universal. It is international. It is multicultural. The Church of Jesus Christ is Catholic. The visible church, which is also Catholic or universal under the gospel, consists of all of those throughout the world that profess the true religion. The Westminster Divines underline here that this reality is under the gospel. In brackets they write that the church is no longer confined to one nation as before under the law. Whenever we read the Old Testament, we read the story of the church. We do not believe or accept that the church started at Pentecost. We see the church in the very beginning as God gives Adam and Eve garments to cover up their nakedness. So we do meet the church in the Old Testament. However, in the Old Testament, the church is largely confined to one nation. The gospel is largely preached to those from a Jewish background. However, today, as the gospel goes forward into all the world, the visible church is no longer in one nation, but it recognises no boundaries or borders. The Gentiles are being brought in, and it is all by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. In Psalm 2, we read in verse 8, Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. We believe this psalm to be a messianic one. And it speaks of the possession of the earth given to the Lord Jesus Christ as his great inheritance. Christ died for Jew and Gentile alike. And if anyone is to be saved, they must receive Christ in repentance and faith. Paul speaks in Romans 15 and verses 9 to 12 how the Gentiles will glorify God for his mercy. Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, and in him will the Gentiles hope. So the gospel today has left the boundaries of Israel. We see that story told in the book of Acts. It goes to the ends of the earth and today the Gentiles have received it in repentance and faith. And so the church of Jesus Christ is no longer confined to one nation as before. But today under the gospel it consists of all of those throughout the whole world who profess the true religion. In Revelation 7 and verse 9, we see this great multitude. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And so as Christians we stand against any and all forms of racism. The Church of Jesus Christ is not just for the whites, It is not just for the Africans or the Asians or the in-betweens. The Church of Jesus Christ is for all who will believe, regardless of their ethnicity, their culture or their skin colour. 
Jesus died for his bride, the church, and his bride, the church, is visible throughout the world in every nation under the sun, and it consists of those who profess the true religion. The Westminster Divines are clear that you are part of the church only if you profess the true religion. Often I meet people who like to be part of the church just so they can keep their graveyard membership, just so when they die the minister will say a few nice prayers and see them off. My friends, the scriptures know nothing about membership of this sort. The true church is made up of those who profess the true religion. The true church is made up of those who confess with their mouths that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in their hearts that God raised him from the dead. To be part of the church of Jesus Christ, you must profess the true religion. And for all of those who do, they receive membership in the church of Jesus Christ, which is Catholic or universal and both visible and invisible. Friends, here in Northern Ireland, we have an abundance of visible churches. And at times we can lament that fact that we are hopelessly divided and always we hear of brand new churches beginning and church planting movements which are going to sweep across Northern Ireland. Sometimes we can get frustrated by this, but today and in the days to come, I want you to be encouraged. As you drive through your towns and cities and villages tomorrow and as your eyes rest upon very evident and tangible reminders that the church of Jesus Christ is a visible entity, rejoice. Thank God for how he has worked in our land and thank God for the fellowships that he has started and built all based around the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. The church belongs to those who have received Jesus but also, say the Westminster Divines, it belongs to their children. As Reformed Christians, we speak of the covenant of grace. And in Genesis 17 and verse 7, the Lord outlines what this covenant is all about. He says, I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Straight away in Genesis 17, we see that the children of those who know and trust and love the Lord have a part of God's covenant family. And so here we disagree with our Baptist friends and brothers and sisters. Where they see discontinuity, we see continuity. We see the covenant of grace and the gospel and the church stretching from Genesis to the book of Revelation. And so to this very day, we apply the covenant sign of baptism to our children, just as the covenant sign of circumcision was applied to the children of believers in the Old Testament. Things are different. Now boys and girls are baptised. Things are different. We no longer circumcise. The foreskins of little boys are no longer cut off, symbolising that God would never cut us off by the shedding of the Lamb's blood. Things are different, but there is continuity. And so we believe firmly that our children have a place in the visible church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the children of believing parents are to be received into the covenant community with the covenant sign of baptism. The visible church belongs to us and it belongs to our children. In Acts 2 and 39, Peter reminded the crowd... For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, 
everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And in 1 Corinthians 7 and 14, Paul would write, For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy because of her husband. Otherwise your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Here as Reformed Christians, we do not believe that Paul is saying that a believing wife makes her whole family Christians. A believing husband turns his whole family into Christians. We do not hold to that. However, the presence of a believing husband in the family is an incredible blessing to that pagan family. The believing husband will pray for his wife and his children. He will encourage them to go to church with him. He will teach them the doctrines of our holy religion and they may still rebel and they may still refuse. But the presence of a believing husband or wife in the family home is an incredible privilege. We are covenantal Christians. We are reformed Christians. And therefore we believe the visible church belongs to us and indeed to our children. The visible church, as the divines say, is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the church of Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus rules over us by his word and by his spirit. He gives us the sacraments. He encourages us and strengthens us for the work that lies in front of us. The church of Jesus Christ is the kingdom of God on this earth. And as we read in Isaiah 9 and verse 7, Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Chad Van Dixhorn is correct when he says that the church is not entirely the kingdom of God, but the church is certainly part of the kingdom of God. And so when we go along to our visible churches every single Sunday, we are not to take them for granted, we're not to treat them with contempt, and we're not to say in our hearts that the church is an irrelevance. The church is an incredibly significant body, the most important body that can exist in any town or village or city. And so, my brothers and sisters, wherever your visible fellowship is, be part of it, rejoice in it, take it seriously, play your own role within it, and honour God as you live and love and worship amongst his people. You see, the church is not just the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is also, say the divines, the house and the family of God. In Ephesians 2 and verse 19, Paul writes, So then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Once more, we see the seriousness of the visible church. It belongs to Jesus. Paragraph 1 tells us clearly that Christ is the head of the church. And here we see once more that the church is the house and the family of God. When we receive Christ by faith, we receive the right to be called children of God. We receive adoption as sons and daughters. We are brought into his family. We are brought into his house. And his house is the church. The visible church is Catholic. It is universal and it is no longer confined to one nation as before. It consists of all of those who profess the true religion and their children and the church is the kingdom of Christ and the house and the family of God. 
No wonder the Westminster Divines finish this paragraph with a very sombre statement. Outside of this body, the church, there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. I am sad to say that we live in days where the church of Jesus Christ is despised, and indeed it is even despised amongst Christians. I hear things like, I can worship God in my own way, in my own time and in my own place. I do not need to come to my local church. I watch fellowships online all across the world. The preaching's better, the singing's better, and it fits in around my schedule. Brothers and sisters, outside of the church of Jesus Christ, there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. And anyone who says that they love the Lord Jesus but does not love or is part of the church, well, I would humbly and gently want to question how they stand with Christ. We must take the church seriously. To the church of Jesus Christ is given the mission of taking the gospel to the nations. And outside of the church and her mission, there is no ordinary possibility of salvation. If today you have found that you have grown to despise the church, then I call upon you to repent and to ask the Lord to restore you to a place where you love his bride. For Christ died for his bride. Jesus, the head of the invisible and visible church, laid down his life as a ransom for many. Jesus today stands and is over the household and family of God as our great high priest. And Jesus one day is returning to gather up his church so that where he is, we will be with him as well. And until that day comes, may we take the church seriously. We cannot know the true membership of the invisible church, but today we have heard the truth that the church is also visible. So wherever you turn your gaze to that church, wherever you see the bricks and mortar buildings where the church of Jesus Christ meets and sings and prays and preaches and praises, lay your hat in such a place. Serve the Lord in such a place. Submit yourself to the authority and discipline of elders in such a place. And submit yourself to the faithful preaching and teaching of God's word in such a place. The church may never seem desperately glamorous to us, and at times we could see it far enough. But today we thank God for the visible church, and we pray that our fellowships would praise God, have favour with all the people, and may the Lord add to our number each day those who are being saved. As always today, here are some questions for you to consider. Question 1. The church is both invisible and visible. Explain what we mean by both. Question 2. According to the Westminster Divines in this paragraph, what characteristic unites all of those who are part of the visible church? Question 3. As Reformed Christians, we argue that the children of believers have a place in the visible church. Support this assertion biblically. Question 4. How is the church the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ? And question 5. 
Why is there no ordinary possibility of salvation outside of the church? That's all for today. As always, my name is Scott Woodburn. And until next time, this we confess. (laughs) 